Well, if you will, go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're actually going to look at a first century problem uh, within the church. It certainly has application to today. We're going to go back and spend some time talking about what was taking place. Paul, as he writes his thesis on justification, how to be righteous, he begins to go back and deal with a problem taking place in the first century. The problem consisted of the church was about to have a division. The problem was uh, the, the congregation was struggling with the problem of being divided over race, over nationality, over one's previous religious affiliation. And the problem was is the Jews were looking at the Gentiles a certain way. The Gentiles were looking at the Jews another way. Both of them had a problem, and Paul had to come back and try to deal with this. We have other spots within the New Testament where we see also there were problems within the church between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so it was a very big problem. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. And if you will, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 11. And I'm hoping that I can really try to look at this from a first century context so that there's a better understanding. <clears throat> so follow along with me. Romans chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 18. Paul here, again, he is writing to Christians. Let's remember that as we begin to deal because we're going to see the word Jew and Gentile mentioned quite a bit. These are Jewish people who had become Christians, Gentiles who had become Christians. So look at that. When you see Jew and Gentile, we're talking about Christians here. That's what the book of Romans is being sent to. He says, starting in verse 18, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness." Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery." lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. All right. As I begin to prepare for this, I begin to spend a lot of time thinking about really the world in which we live right now. In an age which believes in a form of universalism and refuses to adhere to or accept a standard in morality, we're going to go back and we're going to focus for just a little bit on the biblical teaching of salvation for the faithful believer and then the rejection of the unbeliever. Now, here's the, here's the really scary part and the sad part. I was watching a historian yesterday, and he made this statement. As some people were angry at some of the facts he gave and what he stated was true, he said, we live in a post-truth society. And he said, it seems in the age that we live in, everybody wants to believe that they can have their own truth. And I think oftentimes that is the world that we live in. People do not like to be corrected. They don't like to see facts. 
Well, today there are a number of people who are very content with the thought that they are, um, they are a believer of God simply because they believe in God's existence or they call themselves Christians. Um, and they think that's enough to make it to heaven. The question should be, is that what the Bible teaches? Is it just enough to believe in God? Is it just enough to, to claim that I'm a follower of God, or is there a lot more to it? Well, that's important as we begin to go back and look at what Paul's talking about, because there's a problem within the congregations, a problem specifically between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the book of Romans was specifically written to address the question of, how can I, as an individual, be justified before God? And that's the same question for the Jew as it is for the Gentile. Now remember, they're both coming from different religious backgrounds, and they're both looking at the opposing side with different views. But Paul's going to deal with this and basically say, how can I be a just follower, or how can I be righteous in the sight of God? And he's going to speak about two different groups, both of which claim to be God's people at the time that Paul was writing. And here's the thing. They were God's people, but they oftentimes looked at the others as if they were not. Now, Paul's response is, only in the gospel, all the way from the time of Adam to the present day, are men justified. Romans 11, if you guys didn't notice when I just read from 18 to 25, is a very, very difficult chapter. Uh, and I would encourage you to go back and read the first 10 chapters and then read what I just read. <laughs> or come all the way back and then keep on reading. Get it all in context because this is a treatise on justification. And it is often taught wrong, and it is very confusing. Paul is going to discuss the difference between national Israel and spiritual Israel. Even today, there's still a focus on national Israel. The majority of the world thinks that Israel are still God's people. And Paul says, no, they're not. And that's what we're going to learn as we begin. to. The Christian is now the people of God. And Paul's going to talk about national Israel and spiritual Israel and he's going to do this by addressing the Gentile Christians directly. Here's the problem for the Jews, okay? It was also a problem for the Gentiles because it changed how they looked at the Jews. National Israel had actually been cast away because of, among many things, their prideful attitude and their unbelief. However, what we find is, is there has always been a spiritual Israel. It has always existed as a remnant. It will always exist as a remnant. It was seen through the faithful Jews who were obedient to the gospel. It was seen through the Gentiles, and it's still being seen today through those who are being faithful to the gospel. Now, the remnant in here is being spoken of as the root. And Paul, as he's speaking to these Gentiles, gives this illustration, verses 18 through 25, and he begins to talk about the branches. Now, the natural branches, they represent they represent national Israel. The grafted-in branches are representing the obedient Gentiles. And so, just as we learn in numerous spots that both Jew and Gentile would be in one body, Paul begins to deal with that. And again, the natural branches, branches those are national Israel, which was once God's people as a nation and also individually. However, he's not going to talk just about National Israel, he's going to talk about the branches being grafted in. That's the obedient Gentile. Remember, both Jew and Gentile in one body. And we read that right before I walked up here in Romans 1, 16 and 17, although that's not in your notes. Now, follow along with me in Romans 11, 18 through 21. We're going to go back and reread this. Paul's making a, 
a plea for all men to come to a state of humility. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, you need to be humble. And that's going to include how you look at your opposing group, right? So let's follow along again, verses 18 through 21. He says, Boast not against, against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Let me pause. He's talking about the Jews because of unbelief. He says, And thou standest by faith, right? You're a follower of God now as a Gentile by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Paul here is showing that man has to have the right attitude regarding salvation. The Jews had a problem. The Gentiles had a problem. And Paul's going to try to get them to understand you need to get this in alignment. What he's saying is, is in verse 18, he says, boast not. The Gentile Christians were not to go around boasting that they were better than the Jews, right? They weren't to go around with this mindset of, yeah, I'm a Gentile, and you guys have always been followers of God, but God cast you away so that I could come in. He was saying, don't think like that. You can't think like that. You're not better than the Jews, right? You're not to be high-minded, verse 20. He says, if the Jews were cut off for unbelief, you as a Gentile could be too. Now, let's begin to apply some of this to today. Now, he's dealing with Jews and Gentiles, right? The people of God. You guys ever realize that many people within the church, they think they're safe simply because they go to a building with the words Church of Christ above the door, right? I go to a, I go to a congregation that's always been considered sound. And here's the problem. They think that's going to save them. And there's a good chance it may not. Again, I don't have this in your notes, but go back and look at Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Look at Matthew uh, 7, 21, and 22. We see many people who are calling God their Father and saying, we've done all these wonderful things for you. Uh, and Jesus says, I'm going to tell them I never knew you. And these are religious people. So, yeah, the name is important on the building, but so is the doctrine. He goes on and he says, don't be wise in your own conceits. Listen to Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. The mystery was Jew and Gentile in one body. That's what he's talking about. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part, notice this, it's not the entire nation of Israel, it's in part. But blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What's he saying? First of all, don't be conceited. The Jews couldn't be conceited, which they had been for a very long time. They were like, well, we're the people of God. They hate, they, for the most part, they despised the Gentiles. And now you've got Gentiles saying, we're the people of God and the Jews have been cast away. And he says, neither one of you need to be conceited. You have the completely wrong thought process. Let me put it this way for a second. Many within the churches of Christ would say, you know, we have the correct doctrine. Uh, and they look down on the other religious groups. Right? And many of those other religious groups would look down on us. I would say the correct viewpoint for either one of us is that both of us would come to an understanding of the gospel, be in alignment, and all of us would obtain salvation, right? Does anybody here want people in other religious groups to be lost? I don't. They will be if they're not in alignment with the scriptures. And that's not, my, that's not what I say. They're going to be judged by the word, John 12, 48. But I don't want people down the road going to a different building to be lost. And... 
Maybe they think the same way about us. Well, the Jews and the Gentiles had a problem. How could somebody glory and be conceited in the fact that they now think the Jews are no longer God's people and they are, and the Jews, they didn't want the Gentiles in there. Both of these groups had a problem. God wanted both the Jew and the Gentile in one church under one head. So what he was saying was this, Gentiles don't brag and Jews don't be upset. This was planned from the very beginning. It was never supposed to be a Jewish church. It was never supposed to be a Gentile church. It was supposed to be both of them in one body, right? So you need to get over how you're looking at salvation. There are a lot of people within the church who may look down on someone and say that person doesn't deserve to be saved because of their former lifestyle. I hate to go back and tell you some of the things these pagans had done in their worship, but it certainly wasn't good. And there were many unfaithful Jews likewise. So for either one of them to be looking at the other person and saying, you know, we're better than you or we're better than you, both of them, Paul says, this is wrong. Verse 25, he says, blindness in part had happened to Israel. Now, again, it wasn't all of Israel. We have plenty of accounts of Jews who were converted to the faith. They gave up their Judaism and took on Christianity. Okay, And that's necessary by everybody who's becoming part of the church. Here's the issue. The Jews had rejected the gospel because they were blind to the truth of the New Testament. Many of them were looking for a Messiah who was going to be a, a military leader. They expected to come back to the prominence of the glory days under Solomon and David. And when Jesus didn't meet that description and He didn't look like the Savior they were waiting on, they just rejected Him. And so they were blind to the fact that the Messiah was here and prophecy was fulfilled right in front of their eyes. They saw His miraculous gifts that He was doing or acts that He was performing. They saw all of this taking place and they were blind to the truth. And let me ask you another question. How many today either claim to be Christians or actually are New Testament Christians, but they have become blind unto the Word of God? I would say all of us would say we know someone and let's point the finger at ourselves. We probably also are guilty of it, right? I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. Every one of us has, has an issue at some point where we don't fully understand. We're not doing what we should. This is taking place within the church at the time. Gentiles looking down on the Jews, Jews looking down on the Gentiles. Paul's going back and he's focusing on attitude. He's not giving up doctrine. He's aligning their attitude with the doctrine, and he said, you both have a problem. Gentiles, quit bragging. Jews, don't feel upset. Don't feel like God used you. And so Paul says, if you Gentiles are boasting that you're better than the Jews, your only, your only logical con conclusion from that is to proceed by saying, God actually removed the Jews from salvation so that you could be saved. That's the only logical conclusion conclusion you could come to. And Paul says, for you Gentiles, that is the wrong thought process. God does not give salvation to one group of people based on the actions of another group of people. And get away from that idea of national... Yes, we had national Israel and individual faithfulness inside. And yes, today we have national Christianity or the body of Christ and individuals. You need to get away from that idea of thinking God will save a whole group of people simply because you're part of that group of people. Anybody can claim to be a Christian and anybody can obey the gospel and walk away from it and lose their salvation. That was happening under Judaism and it's happening today and it was happening then under Christianity. Let's go back and begin to uh, kind of apply this a little bit today. How many people today think they're going to be saved because they adopted their parents' religion? My parents went to the Church of Christ 
I go to the Church of Christ, I should be good. It doesn't work that way. How many people think they're going to be saved because their grandfather or their father or one of their relatives was an elder within the church or deacon within the church or he was a faithful worker within a congregation, right? And because my family has been faithful down through the lineage and now here I am, probably sitting pretty good. doesn't work that way. Not at all. How many people think they'll be saved simply because they either help establish a congregation or they spend a lot of time working just within that congregation doing a lot of the, the things that need to be done, right? That in and of itself doesn't save you either. All of those things, again, there's no problem with those actions. All of those things, again, are necessary. But by placing confidence in those things, separate and apart from faithfulness to the Scriptures, there's a serious problem. And the Jews were doing it, and the Gentiles were doing it. It actually appears that the Gentiles, as you read here, they're boasting about the rejection of the Jews. They're, they're boasting about national Israel being rejected, and they're now thinking they are somehow better. And Paul, over in verses 19 through 20, says that's not at all the case. God has always had a system of salvation uh, for all men. There's a lot of people today who still think that you had the patriarchs and you had the Jews. They were God's people. And then you had Christianity. And there's a lot of people that think that Gentiles prior to Christianity were lost with no hope of salvation. And the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. We know that the Gentile could be saved under Judaism. We had proselytes. We had strangers at the, great, at the gate. You could, become, you could be a Gentile and become a Jew. You know, it was a little bit of a process you had to go through, but as a Gentile under the law of Moses, you could be converted and you could become a Jew. Paul's trying to get them to understand God has always had a method for all people to be saved and that all people are equal in God's sight. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't look down and go, uh, well, I'd like the members within the churches of Christ to be saved, but I don't want the people within this group or that group. He's not looking. He wants all people to be saved, and as He's telling the Jews and the Gentiles, all people are saved in one body, and there's only one body. Only one. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Matthew 16, 18 through 20. I'm going to build my church. There's only one church, and Paul's saying both Jew and Gentile are in this one body. It is the only body. There is no other body. And you may say, well, of course there is. The Jews had bodies. They had different religious groups amongst the Jews, right? You had Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Zealots, Herodians. And Jesus was against every one of those. Jesus was just a Jew. He's trying to get them to understand. Paul's saying, doesn't matter whether you're a Jew. doesn't matter if you were a Gentile. You're going to be in the one body, the one church, that Jesus said He was going to build. Now, God would additionally reject the Gentiles if they became like the Jews and went into unbelief. And that's what Paul says you're starting to do. You're looking down on the Jews, and why were the Jews uh, pushed away as a, as a nation? Because they were unfaithful. They went into unbelief. And he says, it could happen to you. Let that sink in for just a second as members of the church. Sometimes we'll look around at somebody who hasn't been faithful and we say, look at that, they're unfaithful. Let me remind you of something. It could happen to you. It could happen to me. We can't have that mindset. I can be a member of the church, but if I follow into unbelief, which is shown through my actions and through what I believe, God will reject me just like He did national Israel. 
National Israel did not believe in Jesus as their Messiah. They were not in alignment with the will of God. And I can't think for one second that if I go into unbelief with unscriptural doctrine, followed by unscriptural practice and unscriptural association, that he's not going to push me away just like he did national Israel. He will. And Paul's saying, let this be a lesson to both of you. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, you need to open your eyes up. The Jews, they claim to be followers of God. But they had gone into unbelief. We can go back and look within the Scriptures where they had added to God's law. They had even replaced God's law with man's law and placed it above God's law. We can see all the problems we had within the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the, why do you even have Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Zealots, and Herodians? Because they all were doing their own thing and adding their own stuff. Jesus saw the problems of the day. Paul's now pointing out the same thing going on within the church. Let's be honest. Don't we do the same things in many places that we see taking place within the Jews as groups and even Christians within groups? Look at the religious world around us. Not just all the religious groups around us. Look within the church where you show up to one congregation and they do something different than the Bible. You show up to a different congregation and they do something different. This person teaches that and this teaches that. Now in areas of scruples and so forth, it's... It's a little different, and there's room for give there, uh, not for scruples, but matters of, of uh, acceptance, things like things of the carpet. And if a person has a scruple, let's say, for example, uh, let's say, for example, that uh, Larry has a problem with caffeine. I'm just making this up off the top of my head. We're not going to serve caffeine when we gather together so we don't offend him, right? But we're still going to try to teach him out of the fact that caffeine's okay. I'm just pointing out... There's areas of compromise within the church. There are no areas of compromise when it comes to doctrine. There's no areas of compromise when it comes to concern over false teaching or the, or the congregation, congregation being led into error. And so he begins to point this out that, yes, there's a problem taking place, but in spite of all that, God wants everybody to be saved, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, and He wants it to be in this one body. Let's apply this a little bit to today because God certainly would accept these Jews, not nationally, but individually, but they had to turn back to obedience to God through the will of Christ. The nation of Israel was no longer God's people, but those people could again be added back to the faithful. Let me apply this a little bit. Again, I could be raised in the right church, but that doesn't mean that I inherit some position of righteousness in God's sight. There's an individual responsibility to have an obedient faith. That was covered this morning in Bible study. We began, I think Wendy actually brought it up. We began to talk about individual responsibility, right? I can't make my wife get to heaven. She can't make me get to heaven. I can't make any of you guys get to heaven. It all comes down to, again, the New Testament teaching. We're all judged according to the Word of God, John 12, 48. And so if I'm not in alignment with the will of God, that's my fault. This all comes down to an individual responsibility. And each of us have seen those who we love who have walked away from the church. They individually chose to do that. Now the problem with many is, is they have allowed the Church of Christ in their mind to become some type of a denominational group superior to other groups. That's what the Gentiles were doing to the Jews. They were thinking, God puts you away so we could be saved, so we're better than you. Paul says, don't think like that. Don't think like that. You can't think that way. God's not going to let you be saved just because He's putting another group away. And He's telling the Jews, don't be upset that now the Gentiles can be saved at your expense because Christ came through your lineage. Quit thinking that way. 
you both have individual responsibility. Some of both of the Jews and the Gentiles, they had this problem in their, in their thought process. Let me clarify a little bit more. Only those that are in the church are spiritual Israel. Romans 1, 16 and 17, which Jerry read right before I came up here. Romans 2, 28 through 29. And Paul is trying to get them to understand it's all about what you do, not who you used to be. All right? None of us deserve to be God's children. But we can be. I'm not going to go back and tell you what kind of person I was before I became a Christian. I don't deserve to be a, a, a child of God. But I am. And you may be walking through this life saying, you don't know all the things I've done. I've probably done them too. And you may think within your mind, you don't deserve to be a child of God. But you can be. And this mindset taking place between the Jews and the Gentiles of I'm better than, they, than them and, and they think, well, I feel like I've been used or we've always been God's people. He says, get away from all of that. Get away from all of that. Again, it's only through the gospel that all people can be saved. And God doesn't just want some people saved. He wants all people saved, but all people are only saved within the body. So Jew, don't think like that. Just become part of the body. And Gentile, you don't think that way. You become part of the body. And both you together, you just be faithful. You be brothers and sisters in Christ, just following the New Testament. He talks about the prolonging of God's remnant. Follow along in verse 24. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Paul goes back and he begins to look at two trees here. Right? The wild olive tree, that's the Gentiles. He's talking about the Gentiles there. The good olive tree, that is the faithful remnant of spiritual Israel, coming down through the promise of the faithful Abraham all the way till now. And I want you to notice in verse 24, the faithful actually had to be grafted back in. Let me put it, let me put it this way. You were faithful all the way up as the law was in, in place. Okay, and I'm going to touch on this. So the, the, law of, the law of Moses was nailed to the cross. Colossians 2.14. Let's say that you were a faithful follower under the law of Moses and you were faithful and you were faithful and you were faithful as a Jew, but you never accepted Jesus. Now all of a sudden, five years later, somebody comes down the line and they said, hey, listen, I know you're a, a, a Jew. Um, let me talk to you about the prophecies within the Scriptures and show you that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of, of those uh, Scriptures. And you begin to look at what they're telling you and all of a sudden you give up Judaism to become a Christian. You were once a follower of God, and you were once faithful, but when the new system came in, you hadn't accepted it. But once you did, guess what happens? You got grafted in amongst the faithful followers. You were once faithful, but once you, once you uh, rejected Christ, you're now unfaithful. But later you become back to God, you become a Christian, you become faithful, and He grafts you back into His people. Which people? The Jew and the Gentile in one body. Right? There was a time when one was considered faithful through the law of Moses, but that time came to an end uh, when the New Testament established and Christ died on the cross. It was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2.14. So it was no longer the method by which you could be saved. You couldn't be righteous under the law of Moses anymore. People are probably in shock. Well, you're telling me all the Jews today are lost? I'm not. Paul is. Paul's telling you you cannot be justified as a Jew today. You can only be justified one way. That's in the one body following the one system of faith. And I know 
probably on YouTube, people are in outrage right now. You're saying there's only one church. I, I'm not. Jesus said he was going to build one church. Paul's telling you the only way to be saved is in that one church. Don't get angry at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Judaism is no longer the, the, the method to be saved at the time Paul's writing this. And those once faithful Jews had to be grafted back into the group who is now considered faithful. And that's the church. And let me say this. God has always protected His faithful. He has made sure throughout history there has always been a faithful remnant. You can go back and look throughout the Dark Ages, and it's hard. We've done it here. And we can see the congregations of the Lord's church popping up here, popping up here, all the way through uh, Europe, all the way to the time when literally the Mayflower came over, and you've got people over here, and they, then they begin to pop up here in the U.S. There has always been the Lord's church, always. Most people are like, well, there was just the Catholic church and then the Protestants. Nope. Nope. There were Christians. I know that because Catholics were killing them, and the Protestants weren't any better. There's always been a remnant of God's faithful people. Even throughout the Old Testament, we see this remnant being seen and protected by God's providence. On the day of Pentecost, the actual promise to Abraham, Genesis 17:5, was fulfilled. And into that remnant, the Gentiles were given access. Listen to Romans 4:17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who have before him who he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. What nations were included uh, here into the Abraham, the father of many nations? What nations were included? United States, South America, Asia, Japan, China. We could just go on. Every one of those nations has faithful followers. Faithful followers. Members of the one body, the church that Jesus built. That, that promise way back continued through Judaism, continued into Christianity. And I can say that because nobody was saved separate from the blood of Christ. Sins can only be forgiven by the blood of Christ. They were looking towards their Messiah in the future, waiting for that blood. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He knew he had a mediator. He knew he was waiting on that blood that could cleanse him. Did he have it when he was alive? Nope, but Jesus was going to come and make salvation possible. He was going to remit sins, as we learn in the book of Hebrews, that blood flowed both backwards and forwards. And so Paul begins to break this down, and he's trying to get them to understand this promise was fulfilled. The one given to Abraham was fulfilled through the Jews. Even there were pagans coming into Judaism, right? Proselytes, strangers at the gates. And it's continuing to be fulfilled now within the one body in which are Gentiles and in which are Jews, both of which have obeyed the gospel to get into this one body. Now that takes us to the last point. That's the power of the gospel. Let me point, off, let me point out, by, start off by saying this. Many people are, un, are misunderstanding of the gospel. Many people are misunderstanding of, of what it means. Many people are misunderstanding of the church. Let me give you a couple definitions first. What is the church? The word church in the Greek is the, is the word ekklesia. It means the called out ones. It is not this building. We don't need this building. We who have obeyed the gospel are the called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of the world into the spiritual kingdom of Christ. Okay? The church is not this building. We are the church. Now, the word gospel is euangelion. It simply means the good news. 
Which good news? Every bit of the New Testament which pertains to our Lord and Savior. Okay? Paul, and we had Jerry read it before we came up here, in Romans 1, 16 and 17 said he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it was only the gospel of Christ that allows anyone to be saved. I'll paraphrase the last little bit. Salvation is not found through works for the sake of earning God's grace. Okay? Many times those who believe in being faithful to the Scriptures and being in complete alignment with the Scriptures are accused of believing in salvation through works. Let me go back and say again. John 12, 48 says, We're going to be judged according to the Word. Whatever the Word tells me to do, I'm judged according to it. If I didn't do it, I'm judged for that. If it tells me, to, if it tells me not to do it and I did do it, I'm judged for that. All right? We've talked about this in Bible study. There's over 1,100 do's and don'ts in our New Testament. Let that sink in for a minute. Under the Old Testament, over 600. We talked about this last week. Over 600 do's and don'ts in the Old Testament. Over 1,100 do's and don'ts in the New Testament. And if I'm not in alignment with those, I will be judged according to that. Again, John 12, 48. But salvation is not found through simply works alone. Now, again, a lot of people are, they're called... They're called, uh, they're called um, oh, conservatives. Um, they're called all kinds of things when they try to follow the Word of God directly. Exactly, right? Let me point this out. Nobody can earn their salvation. Not one of us. I can't earn my... I can't do enough good things to make up for all the sin that I've already committed. I could try, but I can't. And all dispensations were saved by faith by law, and by grace. Everyone. Patriarchs, they had faith. We can go back and look at some of the great patriarchs, and they lived according to the law. We, we can go back and look at how they worshipped, offering sacrifices. They had a law they followed, and then they were saved by grace. Under the law of Moses, Jews had faith. They lived according to the law of Moses, and when they were in alignment with it, they received God's grace. Under Christianity, we have faith. We follow the law of Christ or the perfect law of liberty. And when we're faithful and in alignment with it, we receive grace. My whole point is, is just because I did those things, I can't earn my salvation. When one begins to lose focus on faith and grace and law, they're left with just works. And they're just trying to earn their way to heaven. Now, many of national Israel thought they could work their way to heaven, that they could earn the right to salvation through meritorious works. That was never taught in the Old Testament Scriptures. It's not taught within the New Testament Scriptures. And because of this, the nation of Israel received the severity of God. And the severity of God has to do ultimately with God's rejection of national Israel and the destruction of the temple and the Jewish system in A.D. 70. Now, you may say, why? Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief and because they didn't continue in true obedience to the Father's will by accepting the Messiah when He came. The gospel, the power of the gospel has always been found in the grace of God. The goodness of God has to do with the grace of God, which is only found, again, in the gospel of Christ. And that's what Paul said in Romans 1, 16 and 17. That's why he was not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says, behold the goodness. What was he saying? And again, remember, the Jews, the Jews were like, I feel used. They always thought they were better than the Gentiles. The Gentiles are now saying, we're better than you. And Paul's saying, don't think like that at all. He says, behold the goodness. 
because God is willing to grant the Gentile, graft the Gentiles into the good tree as soon as they were obedient. But He was also willing to do the same thing for the Jews. When the, when the law was nailed to the cross, the Jews are no longer in alignment with God's will. God will graft them right back in. Again, in, in a, a different term, yeah, I know that you as pagans have not been faithful. You're welcome to the body. Jews, I know you were God's people. God's cast you away. You didn't accept the Messiah. But guess what? If you would just accept the Messiah, if you'd just be in alignment with the New Testament, we'd accept you into the body. Paul's trying to stop a race division, a nationality division, and a division based on who you were prior to becoming a Christian. And he says, it's just in the gospel that all people are saved. So you Jew, don't, don't think like that about the Gentiles just come into the body. And you Gentiles, don't you think that way about the Jews just come into the body. The one body. Paul's trying to stop this division within the body. Do we have divisions within the body now? We touched on it this morning. Absolutely we do. I wish Paul was here to set us all straight. Quit thinking that way is what Paul is trying to say. So God wasn't going to remove the Jews from the tree unless they first by their own actions removed themselves. And they did. They did. That's why Peter had to stand up in Acts chapter 2 and tell the Jews, you just killed the Messiah. And he proved he was the Messiah. And you know how I, it, how I know it impacted some people? Because what did they say in Acts 2 verse 37? Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what was Peter's answer? Become a Christian, become part of the body. And if you'd have been a Gentile, which most likely there were no Gentiles around there because it's Passover and all the Jews together, he'd have told them the same thing. Become a Christian. So God was willing to graft them back in, the obedient Jews, not nationally, but individually, back into that good tree that was now based on the foundation of Christ. So what does all this show? Well, it shows the power of the gospel is not found through works alone. The power of the gospel is found in the grace of God, which is given for all faithful mankind. But that includes you being faithful to the gospel. You see how the whole, the whole system works? You've got a lot of people say, I'm saved by grace alone. You've got others say, I'm saved by faith alone. I've actually seen where it said, I'm saved by grace alone through faith alone. Let that sink in for a minute. And you grow up in a body like I was, and the Catholics say, we're saved by works. No, every bit of that's included, and you can't remove any of it. You're not saved by anything alone. The power of the gospel is found in the grace of God, but that's only for the faithful, which means you've got to be in alignment with the Scriptures. Again, go back to John 12, 48. You're going to be judged according to the Word. And there's not a work to earn salvation. It's me trying to do what God told me to do is not a work to earn salvation. It is me being a faithful servant to my master. And for that, he'll reward me. He promises he will. He did to those under the patriarch dispensation. He did that for the Jews under the law of, Mo of Moses. And he will do that for Christians. You follow your master. That's what he's saying. You're not earning anything. You're being a servant. And because you're a faithful servant, you'll be rewarded. And that's why Paul is telling both the Jews and the Gentiles, quit thinking like that. Just be a faithful servant in the one body, right? Have faith, be in alignment with the law that is given to us, and from that you'll receive God's grace, but only in the one body. Paul's point was this, both Jew and Gentile have a place in God's spiritual Israel. There are no people who are not welcome 
to the goodness of God. And God does not reject people. People reject Him. People reject His will. And that's what Paul is trying to get them to stop doing within the body of Christ. All people are equal in God's sight. You simply have to obey the gospel and then be faithful. It doesn't matter who you were. It only matters who you are now. And as I draw this to a close, that's my question for you. What are you now? Are you a Christian? Are you a faithful Christian? If you're not a Christian yet, I'm not going to go back and quote all the verses like I normally do. Go back and read the book of Acts and ask yourself, how were people saved? What did they know? What did they do? They were taught, right? Faith comes by hearing. People had faith, Hebrews 11:6, And Jesus says, if you don't believe I'm Jesus, you're going to die in your sins. If you don't believe I'm He, you're going to die in your sins, John 8, 24. So you've got to have a faith in who Jesus was. You need to have an understanding of why He came. You need to have an understanding of why He established the church. You need to have an understanding of sin and the consequence of sin. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, all people have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a consequence for that. And so Jesus says you need to repent, Luke 13.3 and 5. Paul said the same thing on Mark's Hill, Acts 17.30. So they heard the Word of God, they believed, they knew who Jesus was, but they knew the danger of sin and they repented. They confessed Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then they were immersed in water for the remission of sins in every conversion account. There is no conversion account in which somebody was not immersed in water. And Paul says it's for the remission of sins. Paul or Peter says it's for the remission of sins in Acts 2.38. Paul says it's how you get into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. Paul says it's a burial in water where you come up a new creation, Romans 6, 3 and 4. And he says it saves you. Peter does. 1 Peter 3, 21. You cannot be saved apart from baptism. Otherwise, Peter would not have said it saves you. It's part of the system. Is it the only thing that saves me, going in the water? Nope. Nope. I have all kinds of other stuff I need to do. There's not one anything that saves you. There's over 1,100 do's and don'ts in the New Testament. Guess what? i got to do them all. You may say, that's a big... That's a big load to haul. Well, you know what? Luckily, we've been given the ability to repent of sins when we fall short. 1 John 1, 7 through 9, and the blood continues to cleanse us. Are you a Christian? Are you a faithful Christian? If you're not a faithful Christian, let me implore you right now. If you know you're not faithful, whatever that is, whatever sin you're involved in, whatever struggle you have, if you're not faithful, you need to fix that right now. Because we may not be here tomorrow. We may not be here tonight. So whatever that issue is, whether it's an issue with a brother or sister in Christ or whether it's a separation between you and God for whatever sin you've got taking place, repent of that right now. Come back to faithfulness. We as brothers and sisters in Christ want to help each other get to heaven. And as I draw this to a close, if there's a way we can assist you in a spiritual matter, you can come forward as we're led in a song of invitation.